This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Andy Levine, President and CEO of the American Seed Trade Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry provides individualized protection of more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Andy Levine. Next. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. The National Crop Insurance Services provide individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Crop farmers are preparing for a challenging 2017 with high input costs and a continuing cyclical downturn in commodity prices. Andy Levine, president and CEO of the American Seed Trade Association, says growers are counting on top seed genetics for the coming season. In talking with the farm community, they really look at that best opportunity to have a great start for their crop. And they come in and they look to see what kind of options they have with respect to genetics, with uh, respect to traits. Uh, and, and different uh, production methods, and so they're really looking to to get the highest quality genetics out there for the best price possible in order to produce that high yielding crop. So um, there's a lot of discussions going on out there with the seed industry and uh, ensuring that they've got the availability that they need for when they're ready to put the seed in the ground. We're counting on innovation. We're counting on the the next level of seed and genetics to keep farmers profitable in difficult times. Uh, Andy, talk about the regulatory system in the U.S. and and how does it work with our seed companies of being able to bring the very best? Are they being slowed by the regulatory process? And, and what's the update on that now with this new administration? Well, as we look at new traits coming into the marketplace, that's still somewhat of a, a slow and laborious process, uh, one that needs to be expedited if at all possible. Um, and that process was uh, reviewed and proposed. new proposed changes were made at the end of the last administration. The current Trump administration is uh, reviewing those proposals, and as Secretary uh, Purdue comes into office by a vote of the Senate, we will see new vigor around reviewing those regulations and looking to see how they can be streamlined. But as we look at the corn and soybeans and those crops like cotton that have uh, uh, biotechnology traits, they have been slow in getting through the process here in the U.S. and internationally, and that's, that has created quite a, quite a burden for the for the agriculture community and the seed community. Is the regulatory system as such that seed companies right now can be offering their very best for producers, or has the regulatory system held back what could be their very best? Well, we're definitely offering our very best with respect to the, the, the uh, varieties that are out there for the market, Jeff. And the challenges are that we haven't been able to get all of the uh, technology traits on those varieties as we go forward. And that's where we, we continue to work closely. We've got some new ones coming out this year that were finally approved in those key major export markets that farmers will have access to and some that we hope will be approved in next season. So we're really getting those through the marketplace. And the great thing is the current administration is talking about those trade barriers with our trading partners 
in the commitments that they are not have not uh, lived up to that they've made to have a transparent process that moves these through the through the, these characteristics or these traits through their own country's approval process and doesn't become a burden in trade for our grains throughout the world. And so if this administration continues to push that, that will be uh, very beneficial for America's farm community. Continuing on a track of trade and and regulations of new traits, you've not seen the consistent approval of some of our very important customers for the new technologies that are available. That might have been made easier under a multilateral deal called the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Where does this leave you now? Well, that leaves us uh, working with the administration as they have discussions about bilateral trade. Bilateral trade becomes more challenging because you have to do a a lot more countries one-on-one at the same time, and so it really does stretch our our capabilities. Um, We continue to work with the administration as they make proposals and and formalize their proposals on trade agreements, and so that will be key. And the, the policy around approving biotechnology traits in these trade negotiations has to continue to be a high priority for our trade negotiators. Uh, it, it is a little bit in limbo right now, though, Jeff, and we're going to have to continue to work closely with this administration as they develop their formal policies. Is there still momentum from last year's Congress and the Obama administration approving the biotech disclosure legislation for foods in the U.S.? Is there momentum from that still? There still is. The industry continues to have a, a very strong collaboration across the uh, the ag and food spectrum to make sure that the policies that were, were pulled together last year continue to move forward in that um, th- this policy makes uh, uh, makes it into the marketplace. This is a commitment that this industry made with uh, with the public, with the consumers, and with Congress to ensure that this policy, the the program moves forward to meet that demand that is out there. Still, still, it's up to the Department of Agriculture to write the regulations to implement that law, and we've been from the transition of a Vilsack-led USDA to what should be, or many believe will be, uh, a Purdue-led USDA under a different administration. How tedious is this transition from one to the next and maintaining that momentum and spirit of the law? The momentum is still there from the industry standpoint. I think from the administration standpoint, it's always a challenge just because of approving those uh, the, the people in the various high-level positions in the agency that will be in charge of uh, stewarding these proposals through the agency and then into public comment and final approval. And so that's where we are somewhat in uh, in a holding pattern. And that will be probably another month or two before we get people in place and can really get this one back on track and, and moving forward. We continue to talk closely with our uh, our supporters in the House and in the Senate and then uh, the, the career people down at the Department of Agriculture to ensure that this bill continues to be a high priority as uh, Secretary Purdue comes into office in the near future. Some would suggest that this debate really isn't over because there were some areas perhaps not covered, and this may be through the approval of trait process or this may be in the labeling of food process, and that the difference between genetic modification and genetic editing. This industry continues to unfold, and with that, you almost struggle to keep up with the regulatory process that can stay in time with it. Well, what we're seeing is, is a great movement of um, 
understanding of plant breeding, understanding of plants and what makes plants do what they do. And this is the time where plant breeders have the opportunity to, to really maximize those characteristics that are naturally occurring in plants to develop new varieties. But in addition, Jeff, you're going to continue to have um, uh, plant breeders using uh, gene editing as, as a technique to develop um, biotechnology, uh, varieties of biotechnology traits in them. Will it be able to be even more exact where those traits go into the plants? And so they'll still have that biotechnology trait that goes through USDA deregulatory process, but you'll still have variety development across the board using these techniques like gene editing and CRISPR-Cas in the process. So it really is, as I said before, a parallel track where you'll we'll continue to do biotechnology through the Part 340 regulatory process, and you'll have uh, uh, new varieties coming into the marketplace using these new, more precise methods that are that are continue to be developed. Can you bring us up to speed on the 340? The department is looking at all the regulations that have come out. The new administration has, has instructed all of the departments and agencies to look at any of the regulations that came out in the later part of the Obama administration. The Part 340 regulations are now be under review. Do they uh, do they continue to um, stay out for public comment and then come back for um, revision? Uh, do they get pulled back like many other uh, proposals have been pulled up back across the administration and get rewritten, uh, reconsidered? That's where the administration is, and, and unfortunately, without a secretary in place at USDA, those uh, decisions are not going to be made uh, immediately. So we anticipate uh, once Secretary Purdue comes on board, does an evaluation of the various regulations that are in that queue, then we'll know whether they uh, move forward with it or bring it back into the agency for further consideration and possible revision. This has been an administration of executive order, and there is some question of whether the implementing regulations for the biotech disclosure and for legislation that has been approved and will be approved, if it will fall under that two-for-one rule to eliminate two to gain the one. Yeah, there's, there's discussions across the board, and again, Jeff, all of the agencies on that, is, is this going to be a two-for-one on this one or not? And I think they're going to have to evaluate these on a case-by-case basis. Our preliminary understanding of that was going forward, once the administration started, that would be a requirement. Um, this will be one likely that ha- comes into play with consultation with the with Capitol Hill and the leaders, Senator Roberts and Senator Stabenow, Mr. Conaway, and others that um, had a lot of influence in getting this passed in Congress last year. So I think we have a little bit of that uh, the hurdle between what was passed and working into regulation from the last Congress and last administration, and then what is being, going to be passed or proposed going forward from here. So I think this is going to be one of those that's kind of caught in the middle of it, and we'll have to work uh, pretty much the political arena to make sure it's handled properly. I would suspect that trade addresses your industry in two different means. First of all, from uh, the growers uh, who purchase the seed from your members remaining profitable, but second of all, inside the working of your own members and where crops are grown and grown out and made available, there is plenty of discussion this week about trade as uh, President Xi Jinping is meeting with President Trump toward the end of the week. A lot of discussion about the U.S. and China. And there's also plenty of discussion ongoing about NAFTA. How does the American Seed Trade Association view the, the trade aspect from a customer standpoint? 
Well, today's seed industry is, is absolutely reliant on trade. Jeff, you hit it right on the head. This is an industry that we've got to be able to go out and find varieties around the world that have special characteristics that may have natural resistance that may help us uh, uh, provide varieties that are really beneficial to America's farmers. And so we find those throughout the world in, in, in the various corners of the world. And so being able to move crops in and out of the U.S. just for breeding is essential. Secondarily, being able to move crops, uh, seed crops, uh, throughout the world is key because we produce counter-seasonally in South America. We produce in uh, parts of Asia and in Europe and bring the seed back here for conditioning and distribution within the U.S. If we have a major uh, drought in the Midwest, we need to make sure we have that corn seed available for uh, uh, farmers to plant uh, as we get into the spring. And that's why uh, 15 to 20 percent of the, the crop uh, on, a, on an average basis is planted in South, a- South America because we could produce kind of seasonally there and bring it back in in case we have a, a, a bad season the, the, the year before. So that trade and that ability and transparency and movement for the seed industry is, is absolutely critical for our uh, capability to meet the demand. Let's focus on Mexico for just a moment. Uh, assuming that the North American Free Trade Agreement is coming to uh, renegotiation, Mexico is the number one market for U.S. corn. It is a very, very important market for our high fructose corn syrup industry and also for dried distilled grains. Uh, what happens uh, if the border wall goes up? What happens if there's a 20% import tax? What happens to the relationship between the U.S. and Mexico as it would pertain to the sea trade industry? Well, that's a number of different what-ifs there as, as we go forward and looking at this, our relationship with Mexico. From the seed perspective, and I think from the agriculture community perspective, we have a good relationship with Mexico. Um, it is a key market for our exports, uh, many of our exports, especially in the corn market, and, and losing a piece of that would obviously be detrimental to, to our, our folks in the Midwest and the growers in the seed industry. But we also produce a great deal of seed down there, uh, bring back to the U.S. for uh, use in the vegetable uh, and flower and, and fruit marketplace. And uh, then we distribute a lot of seed into Mexico. So it's a very good relationship across the border, both going north and, and going south. And so uh, we need to continue to work with the administration to help them understand the importance of that marketplace. They are uh, uh, key trading partners of ours and friends. And, and it's key that if there are issues of trade enforcement, or revisions of the North American Free Trade Agreement. Let's address it like that, but let's also sit at that table as friends and and uh, trading partners, not uh, adversaries. And so that's really the message that we continue to carry with our with our uh, partners in the grower community. Am I too simplistic to believe that if the import tax went into place, then uh, the cost of seed that might have been grown out in Mexico and coming into the U.S. would go up 20%? Well, that's the way that my mind works, to be perfectly candid with you. And, and I'm, uh, we're concerned of that. We're not understanding exactly how that border tax would be levied. You know, if we bring seed down there to produce uh, or to multiply for counter-seasonal purposes, is that um, a transfer or is that a, actually a sale back into the U.S., even though it's the same company? How is any of that going to be uh, addressed under this? And there's not enough fine print in the proposal with uh, on the border adjustment tax to really understand where they're going with this. So um, that's that's a concern that we have. With regard to China and the U.S., again, as it pertains to seed and to trade, 
What's the relationship? Well, China is a market where we do produce a fair amount of seed, and uh, also some of our companies are involved in in venture joint ventures where seed is sold into that market. We continue to work closely with them to to have a better understanding of the the intricacies of seed production, phytosanitary concerns about import and export, the importance of uh, respecting intellectual property, and uh, understanding that uh, a great deal of resources go into developing varieties that are specific for marketplaces and fit demand of, uh, of the consumers in various countries and regions. So uh, we've had uh, good success in moving that message along and uh, an area that we want to continue to have that relationship. So it's important that we are able to work with our government, with our embassy in Beijing, uh, in the various trade offices throughout China to help us uh, continue to convey that message. Um, and so we hope that we, we're able to uh, work with this administration to uh, collaborate with or work with the Chinese uh, government to solve some of these issues that have been pending for a great deal of time. Are there some specifics that you would like to see in topics between the two presidents? Well, we've uh, we've worked closely with with uh, our grain uh, counterparts here in the U.S. and and in China as well. And the, the approval process for biotechnology traits is is probably right there next to or right behind the beef issue for trade with China. And we really need to have a better understanding of what the the uh, review and approval process is. It needs to be transparent. It needs to be consistent. Uh, as the Chinese government looks at those various uh, characteristics going forward. And that's what we've worked with them on, uh, trying to address these so there is not any disruption in, in movement of grain into China. There has been work in the House and work in the Senate in the respective agriculture committees with regard to a new farm bill that many suggest really pen and paper won't come in together until 2018. Uh, from the perspective of the seed trade industry, What's it very important to be a part of this farm bill? We heard the president in his budget for the balance of this fiscal year and for the new fiscal year not to be as favorable toward conservation or toward research. What's top of your list? Well, as uh, I guess as we look at it, top of our list, um, really a good solid uh, Title One uh, program for the for the commodity crops and making sure that they've got uh, that. Uh, Certainty in their programs going forward as the market ebbs and flows, goes up and up and down, trade improves or, or backs off. That farmer can continue to have a uh, certain program that gives them that uh, good, solid uh, baseline for their pricing, and that helps them remain successful in the overall agriculture community, remain successful. That's crop insurance or whatever those programs are for the various programs, for the various commodities. And then we look at the research title. Uh, research in, in seed is is essential. We've got to continue to, to look at pests and disease that cause challenges in, in the agriculture community and impact the yield for all types of production across the board. And how can we address those through plant breeding and improving the processes and improving our seed treatments that help get those seeds uh, the great start that they need. So research is probably our number two issue as we look at the farm bill. And then your third topic would be conservation? The conservation is a key one for us there, Jeff. You, you look at the, some of the issues around the country that we're dealing with, and farmers are being very 
progressive and aggressive in getting uh, to cover crops and getting to buffers and getting to precision agriculture to make sure that what they do put in, in uh, to protect their crop also stays where it needs to stay and doesn't run off and that's where our community is working very closely with with uh, growers and with our uh, USDA extension agents out there in the field and and others to make sure that uh, they've got the tools that they need to to uh, handle the environmental side of agriculture production. Andy Levine, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and you have an open forum. Jeff, I really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the time you take to get the message out to America's farmers, and uh, we appreciate being uh, part of this wonderful. Uh, production agriculture that, uh, that that we're able to participate in, and I uh, look forward to speaking with you again in the near future. Our thanks to Andy Levine, President and CEO of the American Seed Trade Association, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Kelly.